Amen. You may take your seats. Thank you very much. Somebody else come to see. Amen. All right. So let's just go to the opening scripture we started with, we started with on Sunday morning. And I'm continuing in these teachings on the new covenant prayer. And my prayer is that God will help all of us to come to a place of understanding of what God's plan is and how we fit into that plan. And through following what God has put in motion, that we will all have a more fulfilled, satisfied, and victorious life in Jesus' name. So we started speaking on Sunday on the new covenant way of prayer. And I just want to dive right in tonight and pick it up uh, from where we left, left last Sunday. So my opening scripture was Jer Jeremiah chapter 15 in verse 18 in Amplified. And basically, Jeremiah was lamenting, like many of us, when we fall into hard times, when we come to a place of darkness, the circumstances are so tough that we just feel like life itself is going to just choke us out. That's where Jeremiah was. So in verse 18 of Jeremiah 15, he was talking to God. He said, why is my pain perpetual and my wounds incurable? Now, mind you, this is a prophet. If anybody was anointed, he was. He said, why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable? And I think the point here is, for all of us, there comes a time when we get into a situation, something happened, some disappointment, something catastrophe, that sometimes if care is not taken, we're going to start questioning God. That's where Jeremiah was. He said, why is my pain perpetual? Perpetual means forever. Now, come on, is there any pain that's perpetual? <laughs> Even pain has expiration date. But when you are in the moment of the pain, it feels like it's forever. And that's where it is. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable? Refusing to be healed. Will you indeed be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail and are uncertain? Verse 19, God answers him. Therefore, thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, if you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair. Now, this is important. This is God answering Jeremiah back. He says to this prophet, if you return and get rid of this tone, mistaken tone of distrust and despair. We all know what this distrust means. Distrust means not trusting. The truth of the matter is, when I stop trusting God, I'm trusting something else. The moment I stop trusting God, I've started to trust on someone else or something else. So God says, give up this tone of distrust. The other part is despair. We need to take a close look at the word. What does it mean to despair? I put it up in the dictionary. It simply means hopelessness. 
Ephesus. Uh, it's amazing that Paul, when he was speaking, he said, I'm cast down but not destroyed. I'm persecuted but not, not forsaken. I'm distressed but not despair. So by the time you are in a position of despair, it, you're talking about exponential high level of hopelessness. What does it mean to be hopeless? Hopelessness refers to a condition in which we think whatever is happening to us has no end. Years ago, I went to see a doctor. I just had, uh, well, no, I, just, I didn't just have it. Uh, maybe a couple of years after I had uh, uh, a, a, a surgery, heart surgery. So I went to this Christian doctor in Orlando, Florida, Dr. Kovac. He's a physician to many, many of high-profile national ministries. I didn't know that then, but I went to see him. And during the course of the examination, this guy saw us for almost five hours. Is that correct? And he has an intercessory center. He has a prayer room. And every time, he's, while he's in you and talking to you, he's praying in tongues. I've never seen like that. <laughs> but then he calls a pretty penny. <laughs> I guess he charged you know, for five hours <laughs> visitation. But this is the point. This is the point. So while we're talking and just asking questions and on and on and on, I asked him one question. I will never forget the answer. I said, what is it, what, 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 what is depression? Because you hear at, around that time, that word was coming up very commonly. Uh, I'm depressed, clinically depressed or whatever. The, I mean, people are using that term. So I asked this doctor, I said, what does it mean to be depressed? Ah, it's a good question. And this, this answer I gave him. He said, to have faith in hopelessness. Now that stuck with me. <laughs> I will never forget that. Say depression is a state of having faith in hopelessness. So God is saying to Jeremiah, Jer Jeremiah, if you want to come out of this condition, number one, you have to give up this tone of distrust. In other words, you are not trusting God. And number two, you have to give up this sense of hopelessness that's packed you, it's got you stuck where you are. And that's why you're speaking and talking the way you're talking. That's, that's going to be important as we continue to study on New Covenant Prayer. Because the issue of trust and believing is a major, major, major critical issue when it comes to New Covenant Prayer or praying. And not just the issue of trusting and believing, what are you trusting? Who are you trusting? How are you believing? Very, very important. I started talking about this on Sunday morning. Okay, so, therefore says the Lord, if you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I will give you again a certain place of quiet and safety. You enter into my rest. Translation. And you'll be my minister. And if you separate the pressures from the vow, Cleansing your own heart from the unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about you. I've been there. I've been there. I don't know about you guys. The condition or the state where you think you're really faithful. That bill needs to, to be paid. Are you going to show up? 
My child is sick. Are you, are you going to show up? My car is acting up. Can I trust you? My job is stressful. Every moment, every day I go to work, it's very stressful. Am I going to get fired? Can I trust you to come, come across for me? Now, we may not voice these things out. But you must remember, God does not see as man seeth. For man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks into the heart. Before you speak, he knows what you're thinking. And we times in the scripture because the disciples will be thinking something and the Bible says Jesus answered them. <laughs> they, they never opened their mouth, he just answered them. So at some point, many of us, if not all of us, have been in a place where from our heart we have doubted God and gone beyond that and become suspicious of his faithfulness. So God was telling Jeremiah, if you're going to deal with me, you need to give that up. Now, I took a long time trying to establish the fact, the distinction between Old Testament praying and New Testament. The Old Testament believers prayed, believing God for a future in which God will answer them. In other words, their faith was futuristic. It was future-focused that God is coming and he will answer. But for me and you today, we're trusting God as well. But this is the real critical issue. My trust, my believing, must be based on the fact that Jesus has already finished Everything concerning me. That's a total new uh, game, game changer. Praying from the perspective that there's nothing I need now, nothing happening to me today that Jesus has not settled. Past tense. Now, when I believe that, the things I see out of my mouth will be different. This is a huge... now. Just this premise raises new questions. Questions like, okay, if Jesus finished it, why do I need to pray? If he finished it, why are things still happening to me? We're not going to address that today. We're going we're gonna to start, we're going to begin to address that on Sunday. And that's why I'm saying it's important for all of us to follow the teachings because are, it's, it's vast and can never be covered in any one session. But it is important for us to have total understanding so that depending on where we are, where we find ourselves, we'll be able to locate exactly how we need to respond. But as a new covenant believer, we respond, we pray, we speak from a standpoint of Jesus has finished it, is behind us, we're just, we just, we just embracing what is already accomplished. Very, very important. Now, there are, oh, let, let, let me go to Hebrews chapter 9. Yeah, I need, I need to talk about this for a minute. Verses 16 and 17. Hebrews 9, 16, 17. 
give that to me if you can. NLT. New Living Translation, if you have it. Hebrews chapter 9. I can use this. That's fine. Are you all right? Oh, okay. Good. Thank you. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. You know, as believers, there are some things that we, 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 what's the word? We know them, but we really don't know them. This just hit me, even me. It just hit me today. If I was to ask any of us, why the resurrection? Why could Jesus not hang on the cross, die, and somehow, in closed doors, in the back room, resurrect and go to the Father without us having to see it? Would that remove the Father that he rose from the dead? He could have risen from the dead and from that grave rise and go to heaven and nobody had to see him. That would not remove the fact that he rose from the dead. Are you following my, my line? But this is the point. You and I understand human wills. You go to the lawyer, you write a will, they seal it, you file it with the state, probate court, it's done. Do we not also know that today, 2019, there are wills that are being contested. Where a man or a woman will have written a will, given what it means to this one and that one and all of that, so the will is done. But then the child will say, wait a minute, no, 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 my father did not do this will, it was not in his right mind. I contest this will. Oh, it's happening. Anybody named in a will can contain a will. And it has to go to court. And all you have to prove is that the person who wrote the will, when they wrote the will, was not in their right mind. Now, I've been just thinking about this now. The very first time I sat with a lawyer to, write, to, to, to do will, that was the first few sentences. The first thing she put on that document was that I was in my right mind. Now, <laughs> now, when that was being done, I didn't think about that. I'm just wondering, well, I'm in my right mind. Of course, I'm in my right mind. But now I understand the value of that. Because should someone contend that will, that was the first issue that's resolved. The person who wrote this will was in their right mind when they did so. So, with me and you, under this covenant, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. Verse 17. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. This is the point I'm making. Jesus is the only one who not only lived, died, but now has risen again. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, it says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Why is that important to you and I? Because unlike the man or woman who has died, wrote a will that is being contested, that they did not write the will in their own mind, Jesus says, I'm alive to enforce what I put in my will. Oh, hallelujah. Not only 
did I write? Will I am alive to verify, to confirm that every promise I made in this will is valid. Not only is it valid, I will enforce it because I have the power to enforce. Woo! Hallelujah! My God, can you imagine how many wills have been contested all over the earth? Personally, I know two of them. Been there for over 10 years. The kids are still fighting. And they can't resolve them. What's the problem? Whoever did the will is dead. They do not have the power to come back. And this is the confirmation. They can't. Because they are dead. But not so with Jesus. This is what makes new covenant praying a different ball game. Because you are not just speaking something, just saying something. You are saying and speaking that which was promised. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, verse 1, no, chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. Is your technology still working? Or? <laughs> it's just two verses. Ah, she got it. Praise God. <laughs> For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. That's not all. And through Christ our amen, which means yes to God for his glory. Hallelujah. Listen, don't let the devil move you from opposition. We say this, we say this, but again, like the resurrection, we don't fully understand the implication. Now I understand Jesus rose from the dead. I allow people to see him to, come, to assure us that what I put in the will, I will enforce. I'm alive to enforce the will I gave you. Huge. It's a game changer. All of a sudden when you're praying now, you understand that the things you are asking and you, you, the promises you are believing God for, there is someone that's alive yes. whose job is to enforce that what comes to you gets to you. Huge. Huge. And so the same way, the issue of identity. Paul said it. And I'm going to give you guys a few minutes to ask questions in a minute. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He said, uh, how did he say that? He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jews first and then to the Greeks. Now, that's, it. that's the verse I've always focused on. <laughs> but this, this last few months, verse 17 comes to play. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's not really what got Paul's attention. Verse 17 is what got his attention. He said, for in it, what is it? In the gospel. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. It is only in the gospel that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live. In other words, it is only in the gospel that you and I find ourselves 
as being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when you believe on Jesus' name. And that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Because as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it is the foundation to everything God. And so the enemy's job will always be to move you and I from this position of righteousness. You are not out with God. God does not like you. You can't get anything done. You have no authority. Who do you think you are? Your father died of diabetes. You would also die the same way. On and on and on and on and on. Every negative thought you ever had. Now hear this. Hear this very clearly. Every negative thought you ever had as a born-again believer. I'm not talking about BC, before Christ. I'm not talking about before you became born again. I'm talking about since you came to Christ. Every negative thought did not come from you. But the enemy will not send you an email and tell you that. He's going to say, you said it. You thought it. It's yours. You own it. Why? To move you away from that position of righteousness. Condemnation, shame, guilt. But when you understand what Paul is saying here, which we're going to cover this more, the issue of your righteousness in Christ Jesus because of your faith in Christ and his finished work, then you can understand that all of those external thoughts, all of the war and the battles that's going on in your mind don't, don't belong to you. you, didn't, you even though the thought came through you, you understand, no, this is not me. Give me this scripture, if I can find the right translation. Uh, Galatians 2.20. Give it to me in the TPT. You guys have TPT here? Passion translation? Galatians 2.20. Whoa, this is, this is huge. In the Passion translation. You have it? It says my old identity. Ah, holy. Don't, don't, don't say it so fast. Why, why, why are you in a hurry? <laughs> Where are you rushing to? <laughs> Please say it slowly for me. Give me a baptist voice on that one. <laughs> my old identity mm-hmm. has been co-crucified with Messiah. Hold it. You see, you don't think in that time. Was crucified? Your old identity. Your old identity. Now, King James says, my old man. It's the same, but for, in, for clarity. In order for us to really understand the full import. I like the TP translation. My old identity. So don't come and tell me that I'm the one doing what I did 20 years ago. No, I'm not. Because if any man being Christ is a new creation, when did the old creation die? My old identity. Read that for me again, please. My old identity mm-hmm. has been co-crucified with Messiah hmm. and no longer lives. Hold it, hold it, hold it. If it no longer lives, why do you continue to allow it to talk to you well, really, you can't control him. You can't, you can't control it talking to you. 
because the talk comes. I mean, you hear wave, you hear all. But the issue is, why do you keep on responding to it? Why? Why can't you just simply say, you are dead? I mean, come on now. If my old grandmother has died, God knows how many years ago, knocks on the door now. Somebody knocks on the door and looks like her. <laughs> Will I welcome her in and say, come and sit by the fire chart? Let's have a fire chart. Won't you scream? Say, get out of here. You are dead. You belong in the graveyard. Please read it. Re- re- finish reading. Start again. Start over. My old identity has mm-hmm. been co-crucified with Messiah mm-hmm. and no longer lives. Yes. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. Hmm. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. Did you hear that? The essence of this new life is no longer mine. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Read on. For the anointed one mm-hmm. lives his life through me. Mm-hmm will live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me. Now, read that last sentence very slowly. He said it, but I'm not sure that you caught it. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God. He didn't say faith in the Son of God. Ah, this is where we miss it. I'm trying to muster faith in the Son of God. That's works. I'm under the law. I'm trying to say, I, I, I'm going to believe Jesus. I'm going to muster faith in him. And so when I fail, I say, oh man, I didn't have enough faith. I feel defeated. I feel ashamed. I feel condemned. Why? I did not have enough faith. Since when is God going to ask me to have faith to, 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 to get anything done? If God has to wait for you and I to have faith to get anything done, nothing will be done on the earth. Please read that again. I beg you. My new life <laughs> yes. is empowered yes. by the faith of the Son of God. So what we spend is not our faith in Jesus, but the faith of Jesus. Ah, my, 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 my. Oh, let me throw one more thing out there for you. And then, and then I'm going to just wait. Because I want from you if you have any questions. Romans 12, 2. TPT again. TPT. Romans 12, 2 in the, T, in the TPT. Read it for me. Since Revelation is not functioning, she's, she's quit. <laughs> Romans 12, 2. Yeah. He says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Mm-hmm. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Okay, hold it. Give it to me in the NLT. Revelation, come back to work. Give it to me. In... <laughs> I'm operating the faith of the Son of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Revelation. Thank you. Look at what it says. You and I have been taught. I have taught it. I have believed it. 
that the issue of renewing my mind is my job and your job. Is that, not, is that not true? So if I can renew my own mind, what do I need God for? We're back under the law. Look at this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. So who is doing the transformation? Who does that place to work on? You or God? Huge. This is, this is a totally different way of thinking and living. And it's going to take a while for us to get all of it and be immersed in it. I have taught for years that you have to renew your mind. And we give you the formula how to do it. But now we recognize if it's going to be by grace, through faith, we must trust God to do the renewing. Why does God do this? Go to, ah, where's the scripture? I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 2, the very last verse, whatever that is. 1 Corinthians. Yep, verse 16. Thank you. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? He threw those questions there to just get you jogged, uh, shocked. And then he answers. But we understand these things. How and why? For we have the mind of Christ. So when it comes to the issue of renewing my mind, I have the mind of Christ. The issue, the problem is, I number one, I don't know that I have it. Number two, for those of us that know it, we don't believe it. And because we don't believe it, we cannot place a demand on it because we don't believe we have it. So this is the issue. And I'm going to stop. Because if you have any questions, I want to take it so we can leave here at 8.30. You must be rooted and grounded in your identity. The fact that God, by his grace, through his son, pardoned our sins, not because he overrode the law or because he relaxed the law or because he said the law is no longer effective. No, no. All of that was paid for in full. God made sure the law was fulfilled in perfect obedience through his son. And as a result of that, for those that believe on him, he forgives your sin, accepts you, reckons as if you never sinned, and I gave you all the privileges and entitlements that the righteousness right standing before God allows or brings. That's where you start your prayer point. If you don't get that right, you will never be able to pray correctly. Amen? Let me just stop there and fix if anybody has any questions. I didn't get too far tonight, but, but I think any questions? If you don't have it, I'm not going to force it. Going, going, gone. Oh, okay.
<laughs> All right. So Larry. Yeah, I'm just um, this identity thing. Yes. And then the renewing of the mind that yes. God does the renewing of the mind. Yes. Um, and then when you interpose it with, I, I want to see how, because Jeremiah 9, uh, Jeremiah, the one we read. Fifteen. Uh, yeah. So it talked about returning. Yes. Right? And then, but there's one that actually, can you give me that Jeremiah again, the 19, the verse 19? Yeah. Where it talked about, no, the, is it the NLT we read? Jeremiah 15, 19. We read it Amplified. The Amplified, aha, yes, yes. That's. Okay. Um, therefore, thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, if you return, Okay, that's one. Uh, then I will give you again a settled place of quiet safety and you will be my minister. And if you separate uh, the, precious. The, the precious from the vile. Yeah. Okay, uh, this is what I want. You shall, no, that's not what. Is it 18 or 17? Let me. You shall be my mouthpiece. Yeah, let me see. No, no, no. Okay, it was just talking about, you know, this returning thing. Yes. And if you look at it based on what you have said, the new identity and all of that. Yes. Uh, I know that in the, you know, uh, in Isaiah, God said, I will give you a new heart. Yes. So what is it returning about? Are we not there yet? Now, okay, that's, that's a good question. But mind you, this was Jeremiah speaking under the old covenant. Yes, I'm trying to see so how it for relates me, to us. for me and you... We are there positionally because once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the righteousness of God is imparted to you. So positionally, you are righteous. You're righteous. Now, where we get stuck up is from, from time to time, experientially, we don't experience what, how or what we think we should be experiencing. And so therefore, because of the life that's happened to us, we, we almost move out of that righteousness, if you will. You, you, you didn't lose your salvation, that's not what I'm saying. But, but you almost, in your mind, begin to feel, maybe God does not love me. Uh, maybe God will not bail me out. When you allow those kind of thoughts, that's what God talks about the, uh, um, um, what's the word that we used? The vile from the pressures, the um, 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 uh, the wrong stone of speaking, you begin to speak doubt. Doubt to everything God around you based on the circumstances you are seeing. Now, the more you focus on that, even though you are in union with Christ, you've left in the sense that you are no longer, you, you are now trusting something that's other than him. That's a better explanation. Once you stop trusting him, Remember I said at the beginning, you're trusting someone else. You can't be in a vacuum. So I need money. I have two choices. I can trust God or I can trust God or my plastic card. Do you understand what I'm saying? So every day we are juggling, we're making those. Now, is it wrong to go to the bank? No, it's not. If God speaks and says, that's where you go. So the issue is, who are we trusting on a moment-by-moment moment basis? The moment I stop trusting God, I've left. 
So he says, return to me. In other words, return back to having reliance upon me. That's, that's the point. Yes. Well, go. Time is going. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> when you mentioned that we are to, re that God is going to renew our minds, because yes. we actually read the word of God by saying we must renew our minds. And you were saying that if we take it on ourselves. Did you say that I said that, that? No, just repeat what you said earlier about the renewing of the mind. Okay, so what I. I my what, understanding was that you were saying that we do renew our minds. It's God renewing our minds. Correct. And that sort of threw a loop in what I'm understanding. I just want to make sure I understood what you Correct. said. And then secondly, I also felt that I, I still have a part to play. Yes. I have to get into the word of yes. God. Yes. And, and so I can be renewed in his word. But it's the, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to help me um, remember the word and live out the word. So that's the part of what God is doing. Okay. Is, is that your theology? Or your <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just messing with you. I'm no, just, I'm just trying to understand when you yeah. say God will yeah. be real. So first of all, first it's not that he's going to do it all and I just sit there. And I hope he does. Well, well what that's I'm what the scripture says. Okay. See, see, this is the thing. The, the scripture I just used is the scripture most of us grew up in, learned from Romans 12 2 in a different translation. King James says, give it to me, Romans 12 2. So it's the same scripture. Be not conformed to this world. The same scripture. But this is the thing about studying. This is the thing that all of us must engage in. You cannot go back to your old Gideon Bible <laughs> and just think what Gideon wrote is the Alpha and Omega of the scripture. That's why 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study mm -hmm. to show yourself approved to God. The reason I came to this conclusion and saw this scripture is because now I'm asking questions. If you've been taught the law for a long time, now anytime you read the scriptures that challenges me to do something, I have to ask God, wait a minute, is it me doing or Jesus? Because if it's by grace, it can't, it can't be me. All I can do is, my part is the faith part. Both of them don't go together. So I had to ask the question, wait a minute, am I going to renew my own mind? And then I began to look at other translations. I said, wait a minute, whoa. No, 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 no. This is, not, this is not a mind's job. This is God's work. So, so the scripture you mentioned there, is the exact same scripture, but in a different translation. The different translation is now what tells us that God is one that does the renewing of man. But where all of that begins, again, this is, this is why this thing is not just an isolated, one lesson thing. If you don't believe that you have the mind of Christ, you can't even get there. If you don't believe that, and if you read the entire chapter, in that Corinthians chapter, that talks about how uh, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has he entered the hearts of men. They think that God has prepared for them that love him, but that he's been revealed to us by the Spirit. 
And it goes on and on and on. And on. I, it now ends after that says, who can teach God? Who can t-? And he says, have the mind of Christ. Huge. If I don't believe that, and I don't tell myself that I have the mind of Christ, no matter how crazy I just behaved, if I'm thinking having a mind of Christ has to do with my behavior lining up, what, it, 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 can, it can be so. Now, the more you believe that, and you begin to think like that, the more the manifestation comes. Doctor. Yes. Because Paul says the just shall live by faith. Correct. And that is not only in the New Testament. In fact, he quoted from the Old Testament. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Yes. So he says the just shall live by faith. Correct. So not only are we justified by faith. Yes. But we also live by faith. That's why I said from faith to faith. From faith to faith. Yes. Correct. The new man that I am, the new creation that I am. Yes. Now, if I want to experience that life, which is already in me, because when I, you know, people say you live your life to Christ. No, I think Christ gives his life to us. Amen. <laughs> but, 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 but do you see how religion has, has programmed us? Amen. Correct. Yes. Amen. 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 understand that, that we have the mind of Christ, then of course we will believe so many lies that the enemy has told us, and we will believe yes. that those things are really coming from us, Yes, that we generated those thoughts. Yes. And that is why Paul, I think in Second Corinthians said, that we should take captive those thoughts, because they don't come from us Yes, as believers, because not only has he given us the mind of Christ, but he says that he has also given us a sound mind. Mind. That's good. A sound mind. That's good. And when he says, even in the King James, when he says, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed. And that is a passive tense. A passive tense means that somebody is doing something to, to you. I am ah, that's very good. I am no, 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 no. Slow down, slow down, slow down. That's very good. Slow down. That, did you hear that? I didn't read Greek. He did. <laughs> no, seriously. Very important point. So really, if you understood what he just said, there's no description of the scriptures. No, no. Be ye. 
means I'm submitting to someone else who's doing something to me. That's, right. that's, that's awesome. My God. That, that takes me back to Psalm 23. When David was speaking, the Lord is my child, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. Because on my own, I will not lie down. He, someone else, maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Ah, let's, let's just go home. <laughs> it's too much. Now I see why God said David is a man of my heart. Because David understood that back in the Old Testament. Father, we thank you for our time tonight. We pray for the Holy Spirit to water the seed of your word. Help us to come to a place of trust. Understanding who you've made us to be in Christ Jesus. And living out that new Christ life on a day-to-day basis. We thank you that as the just, we live by faith. In Jesus' name. Amen.